Welcome to a special edition of the Nile or Nine podcast where we're going to be looking at the issue of Irish nightlife and the issues facing it at the moment in terms of Irish clubs, promoters, goers, DJs and the people behind the scenes. We're going to be talking to some people involved in Irish nightlife and those who are vocal about bringing in changes to protect, sustain and support late nightlife in Irish cities and towns around the country. There has been increased support and discussion around the value of the nightlife economy in recent years, buoyed by changes in cities like Amsterdam, London, Manchester and Paris, where nightmares have been installed to liaise between venue operators, promoters and those in councils and politicians who have no direct experience of such matters and who rarely engage with the city after dark. A nightmare can be a glue between these two worlds. It's a concept that has been opened up and discussed much more frequently in the context of the value of nightlife. Earlier this year, the Give Us the Night campaign reignited to put this issue back into the minds of government, city councillors and our representatives. A newly published mandate from Give Us the Night, accompanied by meetings around major Irish cities like Galway, Limerick, Cork and Dublin, has made some suggestions for what could be done to improve uh, nightlife licensing opportunities and the economy at large. The key points in the mandate include establishing a nighttime advisory board and a night mayor or nighttime economy advisor, whatever you want to call it, to represent the issues of the nighttime economy. The abolition of special exemption orders, SEOs. For every night that a club opens until 2.30am, they must pay €410 in court plus solicitor's fees before the doors even open. That's each night. This places financial restrictions on each late night venue and applies to every space, big or small. As an example, a late night venue in Ireland that would choose to open six days a week late would pay approximately £128,000 per year plus legal fees for each monthly court application on SEOs. This is in addition to rates, rent, insurance, running costs, wages, etc. Uh, meanwhile, by contrast, a venue in the UK will pay about £2,000 per year in late licence fees with more hours of trading each night possible. Another thing that the Give Us the Night campaign is looking at is to the closing times of venues and late night spaces to stop the one-time-fits-all approach where every place shuts up at 2.30am at the same time, causing people to spill out in the streets en masse, which contributes to transport bottlenecks and anti-social behaviour. Members of the Gardaí and organisations like My Taxi have been favourable in this regard and support this measure. In addition, Give Us a Night are proposing that some allowances for later licences past 3am were appropriate and with consultation with politicians and governments and licensing bodies and uh, residents could be looked at as a way forward like in other European cities. At the backbone of Give Us the Night is the idea that the nightlife economy is important to us and the well-being of the Irish people. To disallow our citizens to party late into the night if they so desire is a 20th century idea and we need 21st century solutions. Before we talk to the respected techno DJ and Give Us the Night uh, campaigner Sunil Sharp, the first person I talked to about this was Aoife Nakana, a long-spinning Irish DJ who has seen venues come and go and have been playing for years. Aoife tells me about her experiences and ideas around Irish nightlife. Um, I think the fact that we do close so early does restrict us a lot. Um, 
So I don't think every place wants to or needs to be open, but it would be nice to have a few places that would open a bit later, even even if one venue stayed open till four, or maybe two or three venues stayed open till four, and then maybe one stayed open till six or seven or eight, I think would really suit um, our nightlife, you know, just to make it stronger, I suppose. Um, because it is, it, it it is like a bit of a joke or an issue for the last, I don't know, all our lives really. And that kind of nightlife culture has grown up, but the licensing laws haven't comparison to other countries. I think that's the thing because we're now seeing all that stuff happen uh, internationally as well. You're really feeling like, um, it's so within our grasp in terms of people who go who go dancing and go to clubs and can and even late night venues as well. We'll see that happening elsewhere, and then you come home here and you don't get the same buzz. So, um, has have you found like the way that we our licensing laws operate uh, affect the creativity? Do you think you do notice if you do go abroad, there's kind of a peak. You know, maybe two, two, three, four, and then it does kind of wind down in these clubs. They do take it down, whereas we're just leaving in the in the middle of the peak when we're not ready to leave. You know, like I think people, it would be nice if we could just organically leave, which a lot of us are kind of a bit, um, uh, we're a bit industrialized to, to leave at half two or three anyway, and we will probably. But then you'll also have a few diehards that would like to stay out. Or, you know, I always find for me, it's if I have visitors, it'd be nice to, you know, yeah. keep them. I know myself, if I'm visiting a place, I'm inclined to stay out late in case I might miss something or because it's something different, you know? Uh, yeah. So I guess like one of the things I was thinking about recently in terms of uh, these kind of ideas is that like, you know, like you said, you kind of alluded to there is that the music can change if the hours are opening later maybe it's it's deeper house music or or it can go in different ways because we have that like we have to cram everything into three or four hours really three hours max <laughs> really you know 12 to 3 is kind of like when you run a club you're like everyone doesn't come in till you'd be lucky if people come in at half 11 because of our drinking culture i i've been guilty of this myself you know i don't drink anymore but when i did drink I did have that like, oh my God, like the bar's going to shut in a few, in a few minutes. Yeah. Let's get, like, let's get around in and let's get two drinks. Yeah. And I think a lot of Irish people can be guilty of that. And I'd love to see if we, if that, if we weren't so restricted with alcohol, would it become more European where we don't have that, that hunger to, yeah. to keep drinking or to want to drink that, you know, it's okay. We have a glass of wine at five o'clock in the morning. I'd like to see. If that would work for us, which yeah. I think it would. Well, all of all of our licensing laws are tied to alcohol, really, as yeah. well. So that's one of the things that gives a night is looking at in terms of like trying to, if a club doesn't have a, an alcohol license until past three o'clock, then you know it can still stay open until four or five if it wants to. If the people are there, you know, um, an option because you know when you tie a good time to alcohol licensing, it's doesn't benefit everybody you know other than the bar yeah so you know how do you and also because the um um it's so expensive for nightclubs as well yeah they kind of want to get their money to pay for their license too i think they're under pressure so they are serving us until the very last minute and that's i think when the carnage happens yeah. you know at the same time and when people have to leave the club so where are you playing at the moment regularly enough now 
Um, at the liquor rooms, I've had a long slot in the liquor rooms in Yukio. Um, uh, Hang Diam in Opium as well. Uh, Berlin. I'm yeah. in Berlin uh, regularly as well. And how do you so, find, have you, how do you find, like, uh, do, has that changed over the years um, in terms of, I mean, demographics or uh, your setup or just generally speaking since you started? Yeah, because I think, like, if we go back to the 90s or even the noughties, um, club or dance music or anything like that was always kind of part of a kind of um, an underground, it was kind of an underground scene against the mainstream, whereas now I think mainstream people are more open-minded to clubs and DJs and, you know, things staying up late. Like, I know live music is important too, but just that kind of culture where it was new in the 90s and it was still misunderstood in the uh, noughties more, you know. So mm. it's like a lot, of, a lot of young people now, their kids would have gone raving at this stage, you know. So yeah. I think that really helps. You know, they've grown up with dance music where, you know, in the 90s or the late, late 80s, we kind of all discovered discover dance music together, you yeah. know, or electronica. Mm-hmm. So there's one thing I would like to say, um, but I, I just don't know how to say it, is that I do play in the liquor rooms until four in the morning. But that's a good example because, yes, you it's know, a really good it example. Is, it's yeah. downstairs, it's in a basement, so it kind of works really well. Um, exactly. Like it's a really and... good example of, of um, having that extra hour what it does, you know, like, and, and it's a long slot I do as well. I do from nine until four in the morning. Obviously, sometimes I share that with people. But when I start at nine, there's normally people eating or getting together for a party. And it's kind of you play mellow music. And then by 12, between 11 or 12, people start dancing and you kind of bring it up a little bit. And then by three, they normally let people in at three o'clock. And if... uh uh, and then if anyone comes after three, they don't let them in. But whoever is left can stay. Um, and people organically leave anyway. They've had some, you'll get a few people that will stay. So that's what I mean is that the peak is kind of between three yeah. and four and then it goes back down. And I did a kind of a party in, in Limerick. Or there's a very famous private party in Limerick called Backwards, which is another perfect example. You know, um, we're hidden away. We're away from the city. We're not causing any trouble. Um, Keen, who runs it, actually does make a point of finishing it at six. So there is no trouble because he wants to keep it going. But again, like it'll be after the clubs when everything is kind of like crazy and mayhem. And mm-hmm. then I just when you go down to backwards, it's just so chilled and lovely. You're listening to house music again. And then they kind of go to funk and soul and reggae and wind it down and it's just perfect and people just go yeah when they have to they go they've had enough and they leave throughout the night and then you get a few people left at six o'clock they're not going i'll play one more song or let's keep it open they're actually ready to go yeah so it's a perfect <laughs> example of how that could really work for us yeah you know i guess that's right if you didn't tell people that the licensing laws were changing and you did it tomorrow like people would just naturally start to go home at yeah the moment, you, at do, the, you do you do have like would. i see that in the liquor rooms i feel like i do three sets because i have the early the middle crowd and then i have the people that will come towards the end of clubs you know just yeah. for that extra so that last bit. hour how does your music change in terms of um, i just go deeper and slower and it's absolutely lovely you know it really is you do get you really do get the late night ravers yeah. you know the real music people and they really are out for that extra hour of music you know so yeah it works it works quite well
Even the Canis residency in the liquor rooms goes till 4am because it's under a hotel licence. Highlighting the different opening hours that are already happening in Ireland at the moment. And those who have those late licences, like places on Harcourt Street in Dublin, this breeds contempt and protective behaviour from venue operators that affect places who are new or trying to establish themselves within this existing legislation. Here's Sunil Sharp with his take on things. And there's licensing and restrictions in place and somebody is trying to do something. Generally, what happens is other publicans or uh, operators in the area are too happy about that. So there's this kind of like, well, you can do this, but you can't do this. And then the idea of somewhere like Camden Street, where, you know, you're right beside Harcourt Street, which has its own um, rules in in, in lots of ways. And then anyone who tries to do anything uh, legally, Say Hangdai Chinese uh, restaurant, for example, they've had a lot of uh, trouble with the guards uh, coming in saying that they were uh, open illegally and late, which they haven't been because they're a disco bar. So they operate off the um, they can use their uh, late bar license as part of their deal. But, you know, it's like the law is the law, but also often the law is just a thing that is isn't even used in that way it's like it's the pressure from other people that's used i think, to I think it's wasting guard of time as well knocking knocking on hang dye's door or whoever it might be like if you completely deregulated the whole thing you know I, I think that would be very interesting it'd be kind of like every business for themselves if you're if you're offering something that people really want to go to they'll go there they, they shouldn't have to be forced to go there because it's the only option and that's what we're trying to put out there a little bit too listen don't get me wrong i understand anyone that's trying to protect their own their own business like it's 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 understandable but i mean a lot of this has been a lot of the changes in nightlife has been engineered by the by the publicans and and, uh Again, I'm, I, you know, I have many friends now who are running pubs, so I, I completely understand. And I, I think one of the, something really bad that's happened in Ireland in, in, in the last couple of decades is how the local Irish pub has, has basically been, been, been rubbed out of existence, you know. But certainly when it comes to, to cities or main urban centres and your only choice is going to a pub or a late bar, I, I, I don't think that's good enough, you know. And that's, that's where we're at now in, in, in Dublin City anyway and, and, and in other parts of Ireland as well, you know. The nightlife has, uh, is in a kind of depleted state at the moment. In terms of then, obviously, we've lost a few venues here recently, like Hangar and District 8, um, big venues for uh, dance music in particular, um, and with nothing currently replacing it other than the idea that, well, the jam park coming in April, which is going to happen in Swords, which is outside the city. So in terms of, first of all, the landscape of venues in the city is is dwindling. Um, But what do you think about the idea of, like, do you think there is spaces that you could potentially put a venue in, uh, in the city, existing spaces first. And then secondly, is there spaces to build a custom club space in in the city? And then thirdly, what do you think of the idea of bringing those kind of late night venues to a place outside of the city where there's less residential yeah. issues? Like I think of existing spaces, I think like some promoters in town, like like District Eight, for instance, they could probably tell you more of more or have identified more spaces than than I can tell you. But um, certainly, the the council will be sitting on a, an awful lot, you know, quite quite a lot of spaces. Like one one idea, even in the short term, is that they even give over some of these spaces. 
basis, even if it's just for a year or two, to just say, listen, we have this earmarks for something else, but you can you can have it for the next year. It's similar to the, I know it's a much bigger building, but the, the Telegraph building up, up, up north, you know, as far as I know, Shine were told that they had that for a year and they, maybe that might be rolled out for a little bit longer now. Mm-hmm. Listen, there was an upsurge, I think about, about 2014, 2015, after District 8 started, you had Hangar as well. And it did seem like there was a little bit of a dip in numbers at one point because like House and Techno were exceptionally popular, but it, it always happens in... in in Dublin or anywhere, that that, that particular uh, uh, group of, of people that are going to the events just kind of move on a little bit and there's a little bit of a dip. But I think at that time, District 8 probably identified that and started going with some of their booking anyway, a little bit more, I don't want to say commercial, but a little bit more... Um, uh, slightly more mainstream dance than, than they than, than what their roots are are, are in. So, uh, but they were filling the place, and I don't think. And in the last couple of years, I think most events that they were putting in there had to have sellouts. Um, sell out potential or, or they weren't doing us. But like the last night, there was like seventeen hundred people in there, and I think whatever about the little dip after maybe that might have happened in twenty sixteen or. 2017 or whatever um the i think there's actually been an upsurge for for big room events and it's partly down to district eight because like when you look at internationally in holland or france or some of these big 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 events that you typically see on instagram and the the dj with you know thousands and and thousands of people in front of them some people choose to 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 travel to those countries but if they can have that kind of experience at home similar to to what tripod was red box you know it's not as big as some of the spaces that you see in 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 uh in holland or whatever but like tripod was 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 definitely you know our our temple theater these places where there's always been call for a big big room um uh experiences like that but we didn't have anything like that for a while so when district 8 did start off it brought something back to the city again and people wanted to go from small spaces back into big spaces again but then i think people forgot about the small spaces and the small spaces can disappear very quickly without anybody noticing and i don't want to say without caring but overall a little bit you know and i think that's that's where the problem then lies for upcoming musicians upcoming djs people that are trying to get something off the ground people that aren't uh, headliners and can fill district a's or hanger yeah. you know and that's where the problem it, you know that that's a big problem for our music scene in general and that's know? something that could be uh, if you did extend the licensing hours you'd also give uh, you'd have more time for programming and lineups and for new artists yeah. uh, you'd also could possibly change the style of music played because yeah everybody has there's a such a it's just like three hours really is the yeah. peak time or, or even less sometimes yeah, yeah. and then so musically we the music made here sometimes is adapted to those kind of spaces yeah. if it's a dance uh, music venue and um, the producers are often making stuff just for that uh, in the, with that in mind the where they don't have a chance sort of yeah, yeah yeah so there's no chance to kind of develop and maybe experiment a bit, little bit more and, uh, and one thing that always uh, seems to happen I think in terms of like this applies to popular music and any music that's commercial in any way or dance music or electronic music or indie or whatever it is it's generally underfunded in Ireland yeah. and we seem to somehow regardless of that um, do quite well, yeah, and that sometimes can yeah, be our, used. our limitations. Yeah, are, are sometimes, but that's sometimes used against up. us in terms of like, well, you, we didn't, we didn't give you much funding, and you obviously don't need it because things, <laughs> things seem to be going grand. So, yeah. 
you know but like it's like the possibilities uh despite all all the uh restrictions we are doing well but that's not good enough and that mm-hmm. hasn't been good enough for a long long time no it's recognition of the of of modern music really i think we've we've um we've leaned on and when i say we the country in terms of even government departments like the like the department for culture heritage and the gale talks you know they 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 mark us, um, Ireland, very much on, on, on tradition. Every, every country does, but I think we've relied, uh, you know, hugely on, 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 on tradition and, you know, old, old, um, old bands and singers um, when really we need, to, we need to fund what's here now and grow what we have here now. Jack Lennon, a.k.a. Crystal Clear, is a Dublin DJ and producer who last year released this huge song you hear behind me, Neutron Dance, and who makes a living touring around Europe and beyond in nightclubs. Deck has a more pessimistic view of Irish nightlife's future. If things went on later, you could not have to bang it out. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's always the problem with like regional areas, you know, like and Dublin in in the grand scheme of things is unfortunately regarded. You know, if you want, yeah. if you had a one of the top British agents in here, or your European agents, sorry, um, Brexit. But if you had them in here, and they they probably say honestly that they disregard Ireland, and not in a, not in a, you know in a way of its country or the people or anything, but just in terms of booking their art, artists, it's it's. It's looked at as regional, you know. It's not looked at as a capital of a city, and they're probably right. I mean, there's no reason for them to put it on a pedestal. There's no nightclub. There's no focus point, and it makes it very difficult for artists and DJs to come over here and inverted commas take an audience on a journey. And I grew up in Ireland, so I have a perspective of that. And then I left in my early in my late you know, late teens early 20s and i obviously viewed it from an outsider's point of view for the longest time and i saw that it was getting some traction again things were starting to bubble again um about five years ago it felt like there was a lot of energy in the city towards dance music and that culture was being you know responded with venues and raves and off-kilter warehousey things and little things were happening and i remember fi- thinking like the youth now compared to compared to back then but they're really getting something for their money mm. like i kind of felt that i felt like places like you know district eight or pygmalion or, or twisted pepper or, and uh, you know even opium rooms and stuff like that like there was great artists playing their week in week out and it kind of just offered 16 to 20 year olds who were weren't necessarily clued in on music or dance music and education every week, which was something that I, in my day, you know, I hate to say that, but it just wasn't that frequent. So I think now with the current climate, Dublin's kind of like, um, for me, in terms of the talent in Ireland, it's kind of like we've got like 60 amazing footballers, but no football. Yeah. Like we've got amazing DJs, really open-minded people and promoters and parties and conceptual ideas that guys are wanting to do and wanting to achieve artists across the board and there's just no there's the the country is giving them nothing to work with yeah 
Um, and to me, that's like, it's depressing. And, you know, the the news and the papers and, you know, there'll be statistics every year on, oh, you know, the Irish youth are leaving. They're going to Australia. They're going to Berlin and they're going to America. And you're like, well, can you fucking blame them? Like, what are you giving them? What are you offering them? absolutely nothing like i wouldn't mind like it was one thing to not offer artists anywhere to actually have salvation and work on their craft like it's 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 one thing like listen ireland is the open arms nation you know for the want of a better example but like the truth is is that it's not a conspiracy theory the truth is that the rich are the number one concern for any government as long as the rich are happy, the rest is fucking irrelevant. That's the the facts of life. And I could live with the fact that young artists weren't getting spaces like we're in here in a building like we're in now. I understand that. Um, it is what it is. That's the harsh reality of the world we live in now. Not everywhere is as is, um, diplomatic as, you know, other nations. But if you're not even giving them a nightlife, you're not even giving them a release, like, what do you expect? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, of course we're leaving, we're out. We can't even be ourselves. We can't even express ourselves. Like, it's hard enough as it is, like, working five, six days a week for some people. Some people are on the dole. Some people are trying to balance two things at once, hustling to get through the week, and then the weekend comes, and they're just, they've got nothing to yeah. go to look forward to. Ireland is losing it. Like, we're losing it. We're losing something that the world would have always looked at. Like, I'm I'm sorry, but I could be wrong here, and I'm ha- I'm glad I hold my hands up if I am. But do we really want to just be known as get off the plane, just go to Temple Bar, put on a leprechaun hat, and down a couple of pints of Guinness with a fiddle in the background? Like it's yeah. it's farcical. Like yeah, you know, last year, like just electronic music alone, like some of the biggest things to come out were Irish. Yeah, none of them lived in Ireland. Yeah, and um, I'm uber patriotic to a fault like to a fault but then like you have then irish publications or or even like government bodies or whoever coming through arts councils like i'm just so glad that the irish people are lifting the flag in the music industry the art world now fuck you do you know i mean you've done fuck all for anybody who's trying to do anything in this country like prove me fucking wrong like honestly put me put me wrong There'll be accounts for the last 10 to 15 years ledged and show me where you've actually opened up your checkbook and said, right, there's a group of amazing young people who are in their final year of NCD, much like a football scout. This person's a Simone Rocha. That person is a is a, is a, a, a macer. That guy's a, a man of tough. Let's hone in on these people because yeah. these guys are going to go on and do stuff. Yeah. It's a fucking joke. Lennon mentions a clip from TV3's The Today Show last year, which you can see on Give Us The Night's Instagram page, where the hosts Dahi O'Shea and Mardinan ask their panellists about the late opening hours issues. One of the responses on the couch really vexed Lennon. I'm 100% for this, like keeping the night. You are because you're a DJ and you want to make more money. No, but I also think that people want to stay out longer. Like uh, some clubs, like in, in Dublin City Centre, so most clubs will finish around three. Is that so- not enough for you? Mm-hmm. No, some might go till four or five o'clock. All right, some of the later clubs. Um, where are these, by the way? <laughs> you know exactly <laughs> where they are. We wouldn't be able to keep Waving your go karts, wanting up to Harcourt Street. I'd be, I'd be afraid Supermax would be closed now, so I'd have to be leaving early. <laughs> you know? but the what's, the, what's the story, though, here, Catherine? That people want the nightclubs to stay open later. Is that Yeah, it? well, like, when you say people, I'm not sure who. Like, okay. DJs, DJs and nightclub yeah, owners, which obviously is... She'll sit there and, like, say something like that, right? Clueless but then go home and listen to Calvin Harris. Now, Calvin Harris came from Dumfries uh, 
virtually just outside of Glasgow. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not saying that I would want to be Calvin Harris or necessarily anyone in Ireland would potentially want to be Calvin Harris, but he is a represent. He represents Scotland as a nation as a guy who's award-winning, number one producing, million-dollar producer. Something for potentially people to aspire to. Take taste out of the equation here. Do you know what I mean? Ireland don't have that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He comes from a, a city that respects dance music culture, respects venues, and respects the understanding that people need a place to go and learn about these things. And someone like your one on that t- TV show will be as blatant to say, ah, sure, you guys just want to make money. I think we should have it at 1 p- one a.m. But, oh, I love Calvin Harris's music. How do you think his music was created? Do you think he just sat at home at his, what, 9 p.m. bedtime when he was 20 and made and made music? Yeah. No, it's because he went to Optimo. It's because he discovered Electric Chair and he went to nights around the UK. These things, like, it all feeds in. It's exactly what you're saying about David Kitt. Like, the government, the arts councils, they don't respect, truly, they truly don't respect the amount of talent that come from this country. And it's actually like, you know, when you said there, you're like, you know, guys are going off and they're actually going and doing it. Like, it, that is a testament to our heritage. Not like just fighting against, through it all to get what you want to do done. Like, it's actually, you know, it's more, it's nearly more amazing, actually, when you really think about it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's desperate, like. Yeah, and those people, like the uh, the people who say, oh, you know, well, what does it matter if we, you know, if if they are i don't i don't think they should be open past one o'clock or two o'clock whatever like the point is it's not for those people who think that you know it's for like everyone else who's who's younger than you who actually wants to go out who wants to do something who isn't just content to you know there are always people who are going to be content to go into some shit nightclub or some shit bar but like that's not everybody and their arguments like if we took out the scales again you know the give us the night crew could school me on this because I again I apologize to anyone reading or listening I'm not sure about this because I could be talking about my station but if you put out the scales like the no party or the no side of the fence is like noise in the area uh, drunken kids in the area drugs and all of the things that come along with drugs that's like their general like modus operandi that's their reasoning right but not like all of the opposing ideas are so much more beneficial than any of that like those things will happen anywhere Mm. drunken noise drunken kids and drugs are not going away no matter what you do yeah and the and the drugs thing especially like a drug like coke is not something that is exclusive to nightclubs you're it's, joking there's more coke done in yeah. the fucking house of congress exactly but in parliament you know what i mean like in a, in a bar even yeah, like you know Jesus like Christ, it's go to not a residence bar on a good on a friday night you're gonna you know walk yeah. out a trail on your feet like you know <laughs> what i mean like this the uh, that stuff that's ridiculous in itself but think about this way right like young kids in ireland are fine like it's kind of it's recession-esque to some degree it's very gray for young kids in ireland it's very gray time because mortgages and stuff that the four like your parents ideologies of life of work from the minute you get out of school get your mortgage have your kids like it's kind of gone and it's gone for two reasons one because well everyone's moving on from the catholic conception of what of what the youth should do and because it's just not financially viable mortgages are virtually impossible to get now and when you do you're choked by the neck for the rest of your life so 
going to nightclubs on the weekend, it gives them just a a source of relief. Like getting released of that tension, it might seem like some hippie nonsense, but it's absolutely real. Like it's absolutely real. Weekend blowing off steam, like it changes everything. It absolutely changes everything. It makes the rest of the week more bearable and it makes you happy in your lifestyle to live it. Secondly, it gives people that are creative something to aspire to. And which leads me to my final point, all feeds into the fact that we want to be a country that's represented by culture because that's what we were forever and ever. We were, and culture was always strapped to Ireland from Book of Kells to Fiddly Idol to Clannad to, to Thin Lizzy to Phil Linnet to anything. The board you know, mm. spectrum goes on. Robert Bala, like all of these things. It's, it's slowly, like really and truthfully, like, not non-existent anymore like we're kind of recycling the same old things mm. when we actually have so much incredible so many incredible artists across the board fashion designers textile artists christ visual artists musicians folk musicians singers songwriters actors actors and actresses like and it's just there's nothing for them there's nothing for them or no nowhere here for them to hone their craft and by the time they're six years in their 20s where they're really up for dissolve, they just become depressed. And then it leads back into the same problem we've talked about for years, which is mental health. Mm, yeah. It's a vicious fucking circle. And it's all could be changed by a government that's like Germany and says, we respect the artists. We respect this community and we want to really embrace them. Give them a place, give them a sector, give them a zone, give mm. them an area where they can work out of like give them some incentives, you know what I mean? Like mm. there's still enough buildings in this city that are in the skeletons of the great Celtic tiger fall. Give somebody an opportunity to do something for the people for this, you know, seriously. Here's Daniil Sharp and his ideas about multi-use spaces and the Irish music scene in general. Well, 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 one of them would be one of the main ones at the moment is is the need for for multi-use spaces and to define the, the difference between a, a, a late bar and a and a music venue, for instance. And I think that's very important. I think something to highlight or to really. Um, to really stress is that although we're coming from the clubbing community and we, we, we'd like to see longer opening hours and all the rest, you know, if we, if we help to establish some type of specific late night music venue, that will also have a knock on effect to the live music uh, scene as well. So not only DJs, but to, to, to bands, musicians, promoters of all, of all types, you know, and that, that's very important for us. I think now it's, it, this has become a little bit wider than just the, the DJ community, you know. Certainly, one thing I've noticed recently is, on one hand, there's, there's like bands popping up all the time in Ireland. I think it's a very healthy time for Irish music. It's also been a particularly good time for 
electronic music as well. There's a lot more DJs who are who are playing outside of the country. And I think now there there needs to be like it, it's kind of it's unfortunate that at a time when Irish music is really growing, that we're actually having all the all the venues taken away from us. So I think we need to give some flexibility to to existing venues and we need to get our local councils on board to actually make spaces available as well. Uh, where they could essentially be the the, the landlords, you know. I, I don't see what it, that 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 model exists in in most other European countries, and I think it needs to be stretched out here. Marcus O'Leary is a DJ and producer from Dublin who's been very vocal about the loss of venues like Hangar and District 8. He recently started a new student night on Monday nights in Tramline called Hijinks, which has been getting uh, up to a thousand people in and turning away just as many people on the door. Here are his thoughts on Dublin's and Ireland's nightlife offerings. Well, I, my whole motivation to start Hijinks was that obviously I, before Hijinks, I had the residency in Hangar, which was similar kind of, you know, it was a student based, but mainly the main thing was music driven night. And having played that for two years, all of a sudden when I was going to events in Wigwam or Index or, you know, Tengu or anywhere like that, and I was going to more, maybe more niche DJs. I'd see people who I, I would have seen maybe moving up from the country and having their first taste of a, like a music focused nightclub and how feeding into all these other nights and kind of when hanger close, something struck me with that. If there isn't a place where a thousand kids or a thousand, you know, 18 to 21 year olds can go and experience that end of the club world where it's not just top 40 or not just kind of, generic club music where it's actually it's like you know the djs are curated it's selectors you're you're getting good producers in you know i'm bringing in acts from around the country and trying to give as many irish djs a platform to actually play to people like there there isn't that much hope in a couple of years if you don't have a generation of people who are kind of inducted into Mm. that and you know there's similar nights in uh in Limerick, the guys in Cabal are doing incredible stuff. I went down and played there. It was crazy. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> mental. Uh, Touch of Techno in Limerick as well. There's uh, Galway, like VSN, uh, which is like um, Champagne and Kedema, and those guys. And like, there's really, if you look, there's these grassroots yeah. places in in every single city. And that's that's what's feeding the festivals. That's what's feeding eventually somewhere like Jam Park if they're getting, you know, like if someone like Moody Man was popping in. And you need two thousand people to go see him. That is that slightly more kind of niche, yeah. Thing that you, you're not going to get unless you've spent some time going. Actually, do you know what? I like this. I like this. This is different from the nightclub that I grew up with. This is different from Wes. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But what I, what I've kind of learned from it is that there is an appetite. Things do have a life cycle, but now what is happening or seemingly happening? is the places are closing without any thought or consideration towards a replacement. So maybe suitable spaces are are decreasing. Maybe there's less places to actually go. Um, and also you kind of combine that with the lack of 24-hour transport. And like if there was a good, a well-serviced 24-hour, um, you know, even a Lewis link or down the line, a Metro link, or even at, at a stretch, a bus link that ran reliably from the city center to still organ to like any kind of suburb where there's more space to build then you could look at 
the kind of the the London or the the Berlin model where you can have clubs in any corner of the city that people can get to. Is that what we have to look at now? I mean, is the city exhausted in terms of uh, its major options for certainly large scale clubs? Is that what we're saying? I think that um, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I mean, you still have it's more I think you need um, promoters and venues who are willing to work together towards this. And specifically, if you're talking about kind of late licensing and stepping away directly from the conversation about dance music or techno events or underground events or anything like that. And I mean, you had the Academy on Mid Lobby Street, which holds 1,600 people, sells out Fridays and Saturdays every week. Um, you've just down the road, you've Tramline, which holds about 1,000 people. When you, well, when you think about why people come to them, the narrative is like, oh, come for the pints, come for the crack, come for the sessions. It's like, yeah, the sessions now end at half two or two. Yeah. And... You've closed down everything else. We'll prepare and we'll go and we'll do our best. We'll put them under pressure. The game is about being effective, being aggressive, winning the ball, getting on with the play. We'll put them under pressure. Here's Sunil Sharp. The idea then something I noticed uh, when you did your first meeting last year, um, and there was an RT piece afterwards. Oh yeah, they all like the conservative. Uh, media in general there's a lot of often a, a angle taken that is like we don't actually need this or they get vox pops from people on the street who are like well we don't need clothes yeah they don't need it that particular person doesn't yeah. need it there's a lot of speaking on behalf of other people no speak for yourself you know what i mean that that person uh, whoever gets the vox pop is from fine that's what you believe and that's that might apply to you and maybe even your friends but it doesn't apply to other people i think yeah unless there's this like um this huge big movement and every single person in the country wants later opening hours sure that's not realistic either no so but you know a a, a, a fair a fair whack of people do want it you know so and the other thing that was brought up uh, i think it was the rt thing was about uh, alcohol around it was like mm. an al- uh, anti-alcohol lobby basically who was saying oh well we don't need this either you know and what do you yeah. say to the people who were saying, well, you know, this is going to cause problems in terms of, you know, increased alcohol sales yeah. and, and, you know, alcoholism or whatever it is? Like, Well, I think most of alcohol sales have moved, like, have, like certainly with off licenses and supermarkets, there's more sales there. Like you, you could argue that the that drinking in a, in, in a music venue, it's a more controlled environment, even down to like measures and uh, it's, it's an it's an. It, it, people drink in a more uncontrolled way at home and by bu- buying buying alcohol from a supermarket or off license put it this way when 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 uh when te- when theater licenses were at their were being used um and were at their height i think in 2006 um public order fences actually dropped in dublin city you know um and that was at a time when when um 
when when venues were going till half three, four, half four, you yeah. know. So uh, from speaking to taxi taxi um, drivers at the time as well, it made their job a lot easier. That's another thing, transport, and I think it's something to when we're talking about somewhere like uh, Jam Park as well. If, if if our transport system was a little bit better or a little bit more advanced, it, it would make the idea of going somewhere on the other side of the city. Like we we haven't built an underground, you know. I think the metro is is coming. They're talking about what is it twenty twenty seven or something like that so it's still a long way away but certainly the the only thing preventing us from taking uh nightlife a little bit further out is transport but i know tech we met with the with alan fox who's running uh my taxi now and they're they're very much on board for for you know an extension and uh of, of opening hours and, and and yeah just just oh op- they they actually they they can't provide enough uh taxis at 3 a.m it's it's a real problem for them and it was years ago as well it wasn't in, in the mid-2000s as well and it's still a problem um, you did a series of give us the night talks around ireland so what did you learn from that yourself in terms of the differences between the the major cities and how they are operating? Yeah, they're all very different to each other actually. We, I, I, I guess we didn't know and we like the, the the meeting in Dublin was very different to, to any of the ones outside uh, because we really we're from Dublin, so we have a fairly good overview and we're speaking to people here all the time about us. We were still speaking to people outside of Dublin also, but I mean this was a time for us to to give a little bit of a synopsis of what it, of what was happening in Dublin, but then to really listen and to also ask questions as well. What's it like at night? What's safety like on the streets at night? Uh, what do people really want in terms of opening hours? What kind of businesses actually open in the evening? You know, like uh, like we, we pretty much had councillors at all all of the meetings, uh, and some of them were were standing up and, and giving their own views on it as well. So all very all very positive. But I think the kind of dialogue that's opening in uh, has opened up in Dublin. It's still going to take another another bit of time for that to happen in some of the other some of the other cities. Also, somewhere like Galway, for instance, is is completely dominated by pubs, and everything's kind of quite. Everyone's quite tightly knit and kind of clumped together in Galway. So there, but the good thing is, is that when the, the when the main operators there, like Electric, they're very much behind us. They were they were the the, the manager of, of the of the venue was there, and uh, Kira Harrington as well, who's who's the booker there now too. So they're they're very much on board. So I think that's important. One of the things I think could happen outside of uh, Dublin. Well, obviously, if they get a directly elected Lord Mayor, that could help a lot. But I think. One thing to sort of float out there and to, for them to try in some of these areas is to is to identify one-off events or like for instance the capital of culture Galway capital of culture uh, for Europe next uh, next year. In our opinion, that would be a great time to to test out uh, some of what we're proposing in terms of just flexibility to opening hours and allowing some some events go a little bit later there's a, a Sinn Féin councillor there I forget her name but she 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 suggested that that would mean you know bringing in some kind of bylaw or whatever but this is the kind of you know we've had people tell us for many years ah that won't work it, it, listen it will work it's going to work you know I, I don't even entertain that kind of that that, that kind of comment anymore will work we know it works sure in the tivoli last week we went till quarter past four you know that was like it was a beautiful night you know what i mean and and it was i, I know the night that was in us people were sad and uh, the place was closing down but there was there were absolutely no problems whatsoever we, we already know it works we already know parts of dublin for instance go a little bit later obviously there's there's discussions to be had around policing and um, also with local residents as well you can't expect that a venue that's been going till 3 a.m and does 
admit some some you know loud sound levels as well that they're all of a sudden going to be granted uh, for four a.m. or five a.m. Um, closing. But certainly, I think you know experimentation is is, is key to this uh, because, and I think there should be some sort of uh, the kind of kind of idea we'd be floating to the council and to the governments would be to come up with some kind of like three to five year plan here don't just parachute in a 24-hour culture overnight that's not going to work but let's just try some stuff out see what's possible and 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 then see where, where we're at because i think after the next general election as well i think the i think the profile of, of politician age profile is going to be a lot younger again and then that's something for the next generation of politicians to get their t's into too so i think it's it's baby steps to some degree but but just that we are making some steps but i think i think there's some interesting i think if if one place not even just with a nightmare or or or, or permanent uh opening hours uh happen I, I think it's more to like try things out in one area like for instance in galway or maybe uh in waterford wherever cork um it's just, it's just try it out and see did, did that work and and, and 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 then try it somewhere else you know I, I think it's we all know it's gonna work so much of the uh, conversation and um, uh, angles around the idea of opening up uh, licensing laws and the give us a night campaign is around the nightlife economy itself and yeah. recognizing the cultural value of that mm. um, and do you see that changing in terms of you're talking to the powers that be um, in the last since you last did the campaign uh, it does feel like there's more conversation certainly about the idea and, and something that's in the mandate about a nightmare mm. or somebody to look after um, the ideas and uh, represent that part of nighttime culture it is recognizing that the nighttime economy brings uh, value yeah. both culturally and financially and uh, in a society way to everybody who participates in it and its city itself mm. so have you seen that uh, change in the last 10 years do you think um it's it's more so in the last few years i think where the conversation has become more of an international conversation and then it's it, it's kind of it, it's become a conversation and a topic here too not least because of what's happened in amsterdam and london and obviously berlin has, has always been quite good as well i think it's estimating its value that's sort of the problem right now we haven't had a any kind of recently commissioned report that 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 says this is what the nighttime economy is worth to to ireland and even or to to any given city i think that's one of one of the more immediate problems with this is we, we need we need something like that uh organizations like dublin town are doing a lot of work at the moment um there was a a, a process that started about this time last year uh, run by a, an organization called rhi um and that's bringing a lot of stakeholders together um it's getting the you know this conversation has been ongoing with with, with, a, with a lot of people involved in dublin city now um, and there was a very positive meeting last week um in which uh, a local senior guards got up and actually told the room um he 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 told people in the room not us about stagger closing and the model in london and he also went on to speak about lisbon as well and a three-tiered system over there so certainly the the idea of somebody looking after all of this and overseeing nightlife yes it's it's definitely been talked about and people understand the need for us i suppose it's how that comes about and who 
who maybe pays for it, um, where they're operating. Are they operating within Dublin City Council? Are they operating alongside the, the Lord Mayor? Are they even independent to that and they just liaise with the Dublin City Council? Like there's, it could take a number of different uh, routes. So, you know, how it could work in somewhere like Cork, for instance, and, you know, I'm just put floating this out there because his name was put forward, but someone like Stevie G, for instance, like down there, he seems to be like a, an, an obvious candidate as somebody that could do that job. And he understands the city very well. Stevie G does indeed have a lot of ideas around nightlife and experience in Cork, having been a DJ and producer, venue operator and party goer and party starter over the years. And he dropped in and gave his views on nightlife in Ireland. Stevie, in the context of uh, how things are uh, progressing with the Give Us a Night campaign and the um, um, city-wide uh, meetings that happened, uh, I'm interested in your perspective as somebody who um, lives and operates and works in music in Cork. How are things going there and what are the challenges that are kind of happening there in terms of nightlife at the moment? Overall, I'm quite confident about Cork, but venue-wise and the nightlife thing, like lots of the people who argue about these things online all the time and academics and stuff, they don't seem to say pay the same attention to late night culture and lots of people don't really like, you know, it doesn't even figure, especially when it comes to the political side of things. Uh, no, it obviously has changed as as Sunil, Sunil will say with the Give Me the Night. There's a group of councillors and politicians who've grown up with like music culture festivals and stuff. They don't look at it's not like the the Thatcher argument about dance music or the whole nineties spiral tribe thing, whereas dance music was seen as this kind of like like real left kind of like um I don't know it was just seen as like football hooligans so the the the, the music culture itself is in the mainstream now but I do think with nightlife like I mean obviously we're probably talking to the converted here but I mean we have very archaic licensing laws and it's different in various cities and Cork isn't the worst but it's certainly, I can certainly play a little bit longer up here. And when I go abroad, obviously, it's, I mean, that's the way it should be. And it, I look at it more uh, from an embarrassing point of view, not only running nights and venues, but I'm very embarrassed when someone comes up to me at two o'clock, if I have to finish and they're like, just looking at me kind of going like, what do you mean? Like, they just feel that has a bomb gone off or something because you're just getting started especially cork is very much a european city half of our population have come from or they're working in all of uh, the apples and dells of the world and we were proud of the fact that we've got a brilliant young european population and if we're that out of line with what's happening in mainland europe especially with late night culture it kind of really annoys me and i'm very strong on the thing that I think it encourages a lot of the the things this whole it encourages a lot of negative stuff for example binge drinking I think it definitely encourages the way we've got licensing laws everyone's always looking at their watch going like geez I gotta get a shot before the bar closes or we gotta get there before the off license close or we gotta get there before the club people are just drinking too fast and uh it and obviously if you want to mention drugs and all that, I'm sure it's, it's the same thing. Whereas if you look at, say, the festival vibe where people have all day, you know, and people just, in general, like, you've got a nanny state kind of vibe, but, like, people, when they're trusted, are a bit more relaxed on things, you know. 
if you look at a festival where people drink slower, they might just do everything a bit slower and they plan it out a bit more. But this whole few hour thing in Ireland, which is everyone will tell you from taxis to guards to like fast food places, everything is just crazy for a couple of hours on a Saturday night. And it's, it's just not good. Like it's definitely not having hospitals and all this as well. Like, and, and we know what pressure the health service is under. So I just think we got to make things a bit more uh, realistic and leave things flow a bit better. You know, uh, one of the things also we've been discussing as part of this uh, is that you know the idea of a nightmare is there to bridge the gap between the councillors who maybe don't go out as much and the uh, promoters and also the community though as well because you mm. know there's the idea that if you are going to allow clubs to go later or spaces to go later not necessarily just clubs sure then you have to engage with the community and that's part of that process so like obviously when you talk about opening a, a venue till 6 a.m it'll only happen if it's in a place where it doesn't affect residents where they're happy any residents that are nearby are happy with that anything uh like those are my major factors. So what we're seeing now is the the idea that if we could, the city centre has lots of spaces, right? But it still has lots of spaces. But there's no, it's going to be very hard to build the space in in the city centre for to match that. So we're looking at the likes of Body Tonic and Swords, which is a little maybe a little bit far out in terms of going out every night. But um, you know, it's that kind of idea of a, it. It's in an industrial estate. It's not near residents. It's not gonna. So I could see, you know a place like that being used as an example or a trial, you know, where yeah. you actually have this place, you go, right, we're going to open that can open till six. I mean, obviously you're opening a can of worms in terms of like who gets to do this? Why, why does Dicey's or whatever yeah. and the Harcourt Street places get to do, get to open then coppers, why does coppers get to open a certain minute? I mean, we know all the answers to that in, in loads of ways really already, but uh, it's really sure. just like, you know, you have to bring everybody together and that's what the nightmare mm. idea is about. But I, like, I look at it exactly of, First of all, the venues are going to have to most of it, like not, not a lot of venues are going to want to take the extra costs of security and staff. And and even I would even cut off the alcohol at a certain stage as well. You could even open the music for another hour. I, my experience in Leeds and Manchester, they used to even stop the bar at, say, 5 a.m. and just serve juices or whatever. And you could still but and it just flows because the, the certain hardcore loads of people are going to like pull or they're going to have kids or they're going to have work or so people are going to go anyway but the certain hardcore that want to stay for the music you can just leave an extra hour or whatever but i do think the flow is going to definitely help certain venues are going to be under and they will have to obviously whether it be with neighbors with security uh i don't know extra costs with whatever they have to look after it and i do think that idea of like for what's happening in swords uh, a good example of probably the only really successful teenage event happening in Cork at the moment happens in the suburbs out by Carahim uh, where Red FM is actually by the, there's a dog track out there. They run and parents like it because they're not bringing their kids into the city centre and that whole scary feeling and the kids get dropped out there. They have their teenage event at whatever, seven till 10. The, they get picked up. There's none of the traffic issues. There's none of this feeling of, oh, someone's going to, some drunk uh, like person is going to, like, it's not a place that people will be. There's no passerby. And uh, if, if someone went there, they'd look a bit out of place if they were over, whatever, 18 uh, on this night where there's nothing else happening. So I do think that that whole, like, obviously now I'm all about building up the city centres, but I can see how that 
thing and I can see the vision obviously like body tonic is the perfect example of what we were talking about as well as that like these guys would have started like just being DJs running a few nights and they are now very much in the mainstream like if you look at all their bars they're all their sports bars there's different restaurants there's all sorts of so it's not just like a dance music thing and they've had the vision a long time ago to just uh, develop um, on multi on multi levels but it's great what they've done um, that that they are being taken seriously. We'll say no, and it's it's good that um, that they're taking over. Um, what's it called? The right venue, isn't it? Uh, right venue. Yeah, yeah. I can see it kind of like that being quite successful. But they're they also know that it's not just a matter of sticking on a DJ on a Saturday night. They're yeah. gonna because in a venue now you just have to turn it all the time. But it goes back to one of the biggest problems with venues and running them. I know to my own cost, and everyone will say that whole licensing um, exemption thing is just ridiculous. And that's something that if, if Give Us Tonight even got that sorted, like, like for example, a little bar shouldn't have to pay like the same as a huge kind of, not to mention names, but we all know the big, huge, massive bars with like 50 bars. And there's no way that like the Roundy or a little bar up in Dublin here who wants to put on an event, not even a bar, like as we said, um, there's no way that they should have to put paid some huge exemption. It's that four hundred ten euros. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm, I remember we tried to run a seven night late night venue in in the Pav, and I mean that broke our balls really. Like that whole exemption thing was the main cost that really killed us. Like, yeah, well, something like that when you already have uh, a lot of. Um you have at that every expense night. Uh, every yeah. night before you open the doors. You then yeah. you're already on the back foot in many ways. You can't that take can any pay chances. For your entertainment and sound yeah. and everything like you that. can't take any chances. You yeah. can't uh, open up things in terms of oh let's try something different mm. and then end up affecting the music as well a little bit in oh, terms of what people play and what people uh, make. As yeah, well. it's crazy. That whole, that's ridiculous though. That that whole exemption thing. So would you open a venue yourself? I would never go near a venue again if I had all the money in the world and my wife would be very happy because she would have a gun to my head. I'm still paying myself for my last. Uh, I'm personally good at, uh, I can run events and all that, but I'm just not really good and uh, I know what I'm good at and like we had a great run, but like lots of things conspired against us timing wise, especially when we opened in May 2008, probably wasn't the best time, but we were already tied in then. But we had made a load of mistakes. Now we had um we now there's other people involved too. We we did loads of good things too. Um and I'm delighted that there's other people uh, like um just stepping in and doing other things and I'll still I'm still really involved in like loads of things, but me, no way. And I'm the worst person because I'm not really good at business and stuff. So I'm the person who shouldn't be running a venue. <laughs> and even if I had that blank check, I'd definitely blow it on something else. <laughs> Once you got that whole city buzzing Two phones, call your brothers, call your cousins Three strikes on me, got them by the dozen This for anyone who thinks I'm fucking buzzing Once you got that whole Here's crystal clear again Two phones, call your brothers, call your cousins I mean, we do we do need a, a night star in, in Ireland, 100%. I mean, listen, like, we're the most we're celebrated for her inverted commas party style and like you know there shouldn't there should be a coach a manager which is the night's art to come in and say okay well like he, you know like we make this area where we can dictate two nightclubs maybe one or two nightclubs much like the way temple bar is full of fiddly idols that's what we do do you know what i mean like um i i think you know to just bring it back um 
you know, give us the night, I think, is is definitely something that's extremely positive and I'd get behind it to the bitter end. The cynic in me would feel that if the late license is brought in, say, for example, venues can apply for a 20, like in Manchester, you can apply for a 24-hour license. It costs maybe 100 quid or something on the day. It's like giving... So again, like to use a football analogy, it's honestly like giving a, a, a person with no legs a football. Like we don't have the venues, we don't have spaces. It's what use is it? Do you know what I mean? Like I don't know where. Like it's a step in the right direction, but the bigger problem is the venues. The problem before the late license was the venues. The venues are were shutting left, right, and center, and it all comes down to like why are they shutting down? Are they shutting down from? poor management, landlords hiking rents, like, you know, drink prices, kids not buying drinks, they're pre-drinking, going in, like, all these kind of things. It's like the basics, I think, of club culture in Ireland just aren't right. And I understand it's been a moving pitch because of a million things. Social media changed the ball game, the youth changed the ball game, all of the above. And, I mean, let's call it what it is. I mean, drugs as well plays a huge part in nightlife. It's just the harsh reality of it and whatever's in trend will dictate what things get booked like it really is unfortunately not true but i think that when it comes down to it if 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 the if the core idea of a really good nightclub was put in place i just feel like oh, i'm gonna sound like a prick here but it just needs to be sophisticated a little bit yeah. more you know what I mean? Like, do you think that there's like to me, District seemed like a very profitable place. So yeah, I would have thought so. So in that context, why then is no one looking? Unless at, when I'm playing and they lose a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> well, why is no one looking at? Uh, in that case, is like, is it because no one has, has opened or looked at opening a club? Is it because there's so many restrictive licenses on that? Uh, the SEO license, which is the exemption orders, it's up four to ten it, a night yeah. before you even open the doors. So your costs are much more, much bigger to open late than most other. Uh, kind of uh it's a pain in the arse yeah like i mean i i looked into it me and two other lads we looked into it and it was like because at one stage there was a point where i was like you know what like i'm gonna try and put something back or whatever and like look into you know building a robert johnson in theory you know 400 capacity to 600 capacity with all the trimmings perfect not about any nonsense no fucking gas machines just pure good sound nice design and yeah before you even like consider it the amount of crap and red tape you have to go through i mean like you ideally you just think get a venue fit it with kit get a license done no it's not even close to that like there's about 60 other steps and they're not small ones so it's just really difficult because when you you know again harsh reality but this is an industry, and for a lot of people, it is about making money. And if it's not about making money, it's at least making enough money to just like satisfy everybody who's involved. Because mm-hmm. there is a lot of work, and you got to command all the promoters, and you got to command all the the guys that work at the bars and work behind the scenes because it's a lot. I mean, I have the easiest job in the fucking place. I just walk in and I play tunes. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's a joke as it is. Like they're the real grafters in this, and I understand that money needs to be made. So when you put all of this in front of people who are like, whoa, this is a lot of work and the payoff is really not not that great, it's it's tough. 
this is again why I'm maybe saying my original answer to your question is that I'm not that hopeful because I understand the hurdles that are involved for an independent two or three or four people to come together. Now, having said that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because you would have been living here, District 8 came out of nowhere. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was Tivoli was there, but it wasn't Tivoli was there, yeah. used as it wasn't the used same way, way. No, and it came out because there was a, an alliance amongst a group of. I remember at the time, it was all these promoters are coming together, they're creating a, a union, and they're doing it. Yeah, that might be the only solution to the problem we have. Like another situation where four or five like-minded pr- uh, 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 promoters come together and they pull their 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 money together and they have the background and the know-how to get the the, to, to, to be patient through the red tape and maybe find another sitting duck, you know. There's definitely, there has to be maybe something out there, a warehouse somewhere that can be converted, but it's just, as we said in brief when I came in here the other day, you know, you're just, you're up against so many tides. Like, I, I don't smoke weed and I'm generally not a conspiracy theorist, but like you are dealing with guys that have fat pockets that will get told that a guy with a club wants to move in and their property development 500 feet away is way too important for this to be jeopardized yeah. and they'll end up paying back, paying off a government official and then that's red, red, red line straight through it. Not happening. Yeah. This shit is real. Like. The fact that this is starting to gather momentum and I suppose the, the amount of social change that's been enacted in Ireland in the last couple of years uh, between repeal the eighth, between um, same-sex marriage um, and you know I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend that adding a couple of extra hours onto your night out is as important as fundamental human rights it's important but people can see now that if they actually make a bit of noise about something, then it can actually have an effect. And so I, I, I could really legitimately see it changing in the next two years. Here's Sunil Sharp once more. You generally, and everyone involved in the Give Us a Night campaign that I talk to, are very positive about where it's going. Yeah, I think it's, listen, change is inevitable. It's going to change. It's really about how how... How much changes and and when that will be? I I I'm not sure what will happen this side of the general election, but I think the the pressure that we can put on in 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 the run up to the local elections will put us in a very good place in the run up to the general election. I think it's interesting, even like uh, you know, you're talking about you know younger uh, politicians being uh, you know coming up, um, like Artishuk himself. Uh, Leo Varadkar, whatever you think of him, it wasn't it was a person who went clubbing. He yeah. went to like mother a lot. Yeah. So you know he's not. He could be talked to in on those terms because it's he has an understanding where care. a lot of the people in power before would even wouldn't even know what you're talking. No, about. No, they'd laugh about it. You know, I think I think uh, I think you could have a good uh, serious discussion with with, with Leo about it. Um, whether we uh, we'll be speaking to somebody quite close to him uh, very soon, actually. So we'll, I guess, we'll get back.
back some of the, the the feelings there. But but yeah, I think I think having a, like you said, whatever you think of of Leo Varadkar, um, he, he's 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 a younger politician and he he understands these things. He's experienced them. For anyone listening to this, what would be the best way of, of approaching and supporting um, the Give Us the Night campaign and the mandate? In well, terms the, well, of the, the immediate one will be to will be to speak to your local election, your count count people who are running for to, to 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 be elected to your local city council in the, or uh, in the next. It, it, that's May twenty fourth is when the local elections are. So if we can put on that kind of pressure on, on a local level, um, and there's not, and the other thing about it as well, and it came up at the meeting last year. There's not that much in terms of votes that get some of these people in, you know. So, so I think it's expressing to councillors like so far of the people that we've met, the the, the young younger politicians obviously understand this, uh, but some of the older ones do too. So it's just about um, applying that pressure and uh, and 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 engaging with candidates in the run up to it. Then the next step really will be the will be the general election as well. So we really need to aim this at, at politicians and. Luckily now they all know about this, you know, some of them read, uh, might have read that Irish Times piece um, uh, a, f- a, few, a few weeks ago, which wasn't, which wasn't entirely helpful, uh, some of it, but it, d- it did get the issue out there as well. But, the, but certainly, yeah, spe- speaking to politicians, it, it's always the, the, you know, the first stop is to, is to get the, the, the people with power to, 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 to be talking about and to know about us. But certainly from, from our perspective, there's lots of people that we're speaking to now on, on, on Dublin City Council and people that would have a say in this. So I think just that the more people that are talking about it, tell any, anyone about it. Also, this affects more than just music venues, you know. That's it from this Nile or Nine special podcast about the Irish nightlife scene and the issues facing it. If you want to know more about Give Us the Night, you can check out giveusthenight.com and I do encourage you to support it because I think it has a lot of good things going on and the mandate you can check out on their website, giveusthenight.com as well. Thank you to Crystal Clear, Ethan Akana, Stevie G, Marcus O'Leary and Sunil Sharp for their time and effort. And uh, if you liked what you heard there, I'll put the track list in on 909.com for the songs. I think they were pretty much all Irish songs. Do uh, check back for our regular uh, podcast next week and uh, in our feed as well, myself and Andrea talking about new music mostly. And if you like what you heard even more, you can subscribe to the Patreon where you will get exclusive updates and playlists and uh, DJ mixes and much, much more, including an exclusive radio show podcast as well so until next time thank you very much